so here we go at the movies. Uh, every summer we've been doing this for 10 years now, uh, where we've been look, diving into some movies and looking at some scriptural truths uh, that we can find. And, and this year we're mixing up a little bit, doing superhero edition, having a little bit of fun. And uh, so Batman fans, raise your hand. If, all right, a few Batman fans. I know we got a Batman shirt and a Joker shirt, so that sounds about right, Alan. Um, but uh, so I want to uh, ask you guys a question real quick. Who is your who played your favorite Batman over the years? We got a graphic right here. It's going to show you. All right. Who played your favorite Batman? I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the rundown. Uh, 1966, the movie came out. Uh, the Batman, the movie, Adam West. All right. Yeah, I remember when that came out. Such a good movie. Were you about 30 then, Brenda? So, 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 almost. All right, Bat- <laughs> Batman and uh, Batman and uh, the movie follow-up, Batman Returns, 1989 and 1992. Michael Keaton. Those were good. Those were good. See that? I was like, I was Isaac's age uh, when that first one came out, and so that was like the first like man, dark Batman kind of turned like. Yes, that was true. Very good. Very good. I'm with you. All right, then 1995, Batman Forever, Val Kilmer. Any, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. All right. <laughs> then, all right, 1997, Batman and Robin, George Clooney. What is he doing playing Batman? So, so. All right, how about this? This is going to be very controversial. I know it. Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. 2005, 2008, 2012, Christian Bale. Okay, okay. Few of, yeah, yep, yeah, all right. And, and how about most recently the new saga, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League, uh, with Ben Affleck? Any fans or haters on that? Eh? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Batman. So, uh, so, all right, real quick, who played your favorite Batman? Go ahead and, and, and shout it out right now. Michael Keaton. All right. There was no consensus there. No Christian. No, no, no Christian. But I heard Christian Bale loudest, so we'll go, we'll go with him. So thanks, Cutter, for representing. So, all right. Uh, but, you know, there's something about the story of Batman. Uh, this, uh, there's something about the story of Batman. So we're not really diving into any movie specifically as much as the persona of Batman. And so a lot of you guys are familiar with the story. He doesn't have superpowers. What does he have? Money and what? Toys. Very cool, awesome toys. So yeah, he's got money. He's this, he's this billionaire, genius, detective, ninja uh, type guy. Uh, he's a dark character. His nickname is the Dark Knight. And uh, he uses the shadows and the dark to, to hide, protect him, to give him stealth. But even in, in all, all the darkness, he's still good. And I think there's something that resonates with us and Batman about that. Um, and like every superhero, uh, Batman has a backstory. And so I'll give you uh, the uh, cliff note version. But uh, Batman, um, his real name is what? Bruce Wayne. And the story varies, but the basic concept still remains the same, the basic pieces. As a child, Bruce was out on the town with his parents uh, one night. And when suddenly they were robbed and his parents were shot in front of him, and it was the trauma of this event which ultimately led him to taking refuge into the caves on his parents' property. And, and while he was there, he found connection, a connection with the bats. 
uh, that lived there, they only came out at night. They struck fear in people. And, um, and, and, and through that, he devoted the rest of his life to training to become a fighter like a bat using the night, striking fear in the hearts of criminals. And so we have a, a dark character fighting for a good cause. And so the death of Bruce Wayne's parents is, is really is the moment, is the, is the life-altering moment that defined him, defines his character, uh, no matter what movie uh, you're watching. The, the event left this, this hole in, in his reality. The loss of his parents, it, it brought pain. And that's what we're going to talk about today is this idea of pain. You know, it was, it was his pain that defined him. And, and that's where the story of Batman takes a turn and it crosses over from like comic book stuff to movie stuff to, well, to our, our life, right? Because everybody, regardless of how old you are or who you are, has some element of pain in their life or in their past, or uh, you will most definitely encounter it at some point. Now, some people have experienced that I know, and some people here have experienced a whole lot of pain, and some people experience relatively little pain. But that doesn't mean your pain is not real to you. And not of all, all of us have lost our parents in a tragic way like Batman, uh, but some of you guys still ask the question, what do I do, what do, I do with the pain? Like, how do I mesh this up with a God who, who is powerful and a God who also claims to love me? And how do I mesh this up uh, with my life? What do I do with this pain? And so it's, it's a pretty important question. And um, it's, it's a question that led Bruce Wayne uh, to become Batman was, what do I do with this pain? Now, the question of pain may be one of the bigger questions that you could ask. Um, and it could be one of the objections that some people would find with God. How could there be a God that allows the suffering in this world? Uh, and more personal, how can a God allow me to hurt? Yeah, he claims to still love me. But it's not, it's not a question that the Bible avoids. It's not really a question we should avoid, though uh, we, we can't just throw simple answers at the question. Um, now, Jesus says this in John 16, 33. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Dang it, Jesus. You know? Like, so, but Jesus is like, hey, take this one to the bank. You, man, you're going to have troubles. Like, it's not always going to be easy. In fact, there's going to be times that are going to be pretty painful and filled with suffering and filled with isolation and loneliness. And, and this will be because you're my followers. And, and so I'm sure a lot of you have stories, you know, like Bruce. Maybe you were bullied as a kid or your parents um, I had an ugly divorce or a passing of someone that you loved. Maybe you were abused or a spouse left you. Or you have a diagnosis, you have a chronic pain. Uh, the, 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 the list could go on and on and on. But something has probably left a mark on you at some point in your past. So what do we do with this pain? Uh, there's an author, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis, and he wrote this book called um, Problem of Pain, The Problem of Pain. And in this, he addresses the issue of pain and how it relates to God. 
And, and near the very beginning of this book, he, he writes this. this the quote's going to be on the screen. I want you to catch this because um, we're going to come back to this in a minute. But he says, not many years ago when I was an atheist. So first of all, at this point, he's writing this. He's a Christian. In fact, he is a very persuasive writer writing in favor of, of the existence of God and uh, who Jesus was and, and the faith that we call Christianity. He says, not many years ago when I was an atheist, if anyone had asked me, why do you not believe in God? My reply would have run like this. Look at the universe in which we live. By far the greatest part of it is empty space, cold and dark. On earth, life is so arranged that all forms of it can live only by preying on one another. In higher forms of life, there appears a quality called consciousness, which enables creatures to suffer pain. Human beings also have reason, which enables them to foresee their pain, causing immense mental suffering. Their history is largely a record of crime, war, disease, and terror. If you could ask me, if you ask me to believe that this is the work of, of a benevolent, omnipotent spirit, I reply that the evidence points in the opposite direction. And so that's where C.S. Lewis lived for years, his reasoning that this was the thing that kept him from God. And, and, and so he's a, a brilliant scholar, and he's known for the things they wrote uh, in favor of the existence of God, and especially for Jesus. But as before he was that guy, he was the guy who didn't believe in God. Why? Because this problem of pain, it, it kept him from God. Now... The Bible gives us a number of counts of people who went through uh, lots of suffering, lots of pain. There's a few poster children for pain, you know, but as you look at the Bible, um, because it's an important question. Um, but one of the, uh, I want to look at the story of a guy named Joseph this morning. Now, there's a number of other guys we could have chosen in the, in the scriptures now. And also, the story of Joseph is a pretty long one. So if you have a Bible, Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis chapter 50, we're not going to read that many chapters this morning, so it's okay. But check out the story this week. Read it, you know, check it out. Um, and I'll give you the cliff note version and uh, read a couple selected parts. But basically, Joseph is one of 12 sons. Uh, so Abraham, you may have heard of Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had uh, these 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph, at the time, was the youngest, and he was his father's favorite son. Now, how does that work out normally? Not, not good. That's right. He got special treatment, and he got special gifts, and he got, you know, he, he, he was the one that was clearly his father's favorite. And the brothers kind of hated Joseph. All those brothers, all the older brothers, hated Joseph because their dad showed them so much favoritism. Not only that, but Joseph, young Joseph, started having these dreams. He started having these dreams, and it, and it kind of evolved like these, this symbolic stuff, but ultimately it was his brothers uh, bowing down to him and serving him. Okay, it's one thing to have a dream like that, and it's another thing to tell everybody you have a dream 
about that. It's, but Joseph did that. And so this, should, this is, he didn't catch the memo, sibling relations 101. You know, if you have that dream, you don't tell your siblings. But he told them, he told everybody, and he, he told his other brothers, hey, I'm constantly having these dreams where you guys are going to come to me, you're going to bow to me, you're going to serve me. And so he's not so smart, but they hated him even the more. They already hated him. And so they started to mistreat him. And one day they had enough. They kidnapped their brother. And they, they uh, considered killing him, leaving him for dead. Okay? But one brother comes in and says, no, let's, let's don't kill him. Like, let's show a little bit more love than that. Let's sell him into slavery. Okay? <laughs> so you see that? That's, that's, things are bad when that's your best option is to be sold into slavery. And so, so, uh, so he, he's kidnapped by his brothers. Um, they conspire to kill him. They end up faking his death. They sell him into slavery, which is crazy because I've, I've had a lot of fights with my, my brother. I've had fights where I've intended harm to my brother, <laughs> right? I mean, after all, it's the purpose of the fight, but um, much younger kids. And, uh, you know, but never did I think, you know, uh, um, I want to sell him into slavery. <laughs> never did I think, you know, what? Uh, uh, I want, to, I want him dead. I'm going to fake his death, and I'm going to um, uh, pretend to, uh, that he is dead and terrify my parents in the process, you know? And so, but that's Joseph's story. Like, Joseph is, he's outcasted. They are attempting to kill him. He's sold into slavery. And that's where the pain story begins for Joseph. Talk about pain. You know, he'd been betrayed by his family. He'd been left for dead. And, and I don't know about you, but like that, that would hurt. <laughs> that would hurt. And it would leave us asking questions like, God, why would you allow this? Why, what's going on here? What did I do wrong? Why, why are you letting me go through this? I'm a good person after all. And I'm trying to worship you. I'm trying to live for you. But yet you're going to throw this at me. We tend to question God. But that's not it for Joseph. You know, this, the story goes, he's living, so he, he's getting sold. He ends up getting handed off a few times and sold and sold. Ends his way up to Egypt, in, in, uh, into Egypt, okay? And he's living as a slave, okay? So things still aren't good for him. He's living as a slave. Then uh, he ends up getting framed for a crime that he did not commit. So where does he go? He ends up in jail in Egypt. More pain. Injustice. Uh, you know, and it wasn't a very good environment, you know. And so, again, the question is, how did I get here, God? What did I do to deserve this? Why, why am I going through this? Where are you in all this? And so he ends up there, an innocent man, for 13 years. And so if you were living in Joseph's life, you know, would God make sense to us at that point? All right. And so as the story of Joseph continues, remember when he was younger, he had these dreams. His brothers were bowing down and coming to him, serving him. But Joseph still had this gift, this unique gift for interpreting dreams, and he created quite a reputation in the jail. And so one time, uh, uh, Pharaoh was having these crazy, disturbing dreams, and he was freaking out because of them. And so the rumor got out, and word made it to Pharaoh that, hey, there's this guy in jail, this guy named Joseph, he can interpret your dream. And, and so... Uh, the crazy turn, turn of events, uh, Joseph gets the chance of a lifetime to meet the Pharaoh, you know, one of the most powerful guys in the world at this point. And in Genesis 41, verse 15, it says this, Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
I had a dream, no one can interpret it. But I heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So it's interesting at this point in Joseph's life, you know, when, uh, when a lot of us would be tempted to turn our back on God and to be done, that he still believes that God is the one that has blessed him with this gift. He still uh, is very readily uh, uh, ready to, to acknowledge that God is the one behind uh, who he is. He had reason to believe that God, even when things were not going so well, even when he had been abandoned, even when he'd been abused, and even when he'd been falsely accused. And so he gives God the credit for his interpreting skills. And uh, he tells them about these, these, Pharaoh tells them about these two dreams they've been having. And, and Joseph listened, and he, and he quickly, he knows, he has discernment. He knows what the dream means. And he says, you know, God's going to call seven years of, of, of plenty He's going to have seven years of abundance with all the crops. You know, you're going to be balling and things are going to be good. But hold up, you're going to have seven years after that of extreme famine. And so Pharaoh is so impressed with, with his interpretation and his skills that he, he uh, bumps Joseph in charge of his whole palace. He's like the number two guy at this point. And we see how God used Joseph in that situation. Now, we're barely just touching the surface of, of this Joseph guy, but maybe you should read it this week. But in the past 20 years or so of his life, you know, think about this roller coaster uh, of pain, rejection, betrayal, hate, slavery, lies, accusation, you know, uh, punishment, isolation, knowing that your dad who loved you so much thinks that you are dead, you know. But he says that God was blessing Joseph. And this day must have seemed like a breakthrough for Joseph, not only because he finally is free, but uh, because God was using him to save the life of thousands through this famine that was going to come. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, okay, Joseph still has his brothers and, uh, you know, a, a land far away. And when the famine hits seven years later, um, Joseph's brothers and his family, they're, they're hit as well with this famine. And so the story goes that the, uh, the only place that was prepared in the, in the region that had food in the storehouses was Egypt because of Joseph's interpretation. And so guess what? J Joseph's family, his brothers, had to come uh, basically begging Egypt for food. And who, who was the guy whose, whose desk did they come before? Uh, they came Joseph. Now, they didn't recognize him. They thought, they assumed he was dead. They had no idea where he ended up. They assumed he was dead. And he was dressed in regal garb and uh, Egyptian, um, you know, with an Egyptian um, prince kind of status. And, and so they didn't recognize him. And this is such a cool story, you know. They wait in line like everyone else. And, and when they get to the front of the line, they come face to face with none other than their long lost brother. You know, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, right? God, you know, God's up there like, got him, you know? But, but they actually don't recognize Joseph at first. 
because he's dressed like an Egyptian ruler and because they thought he was dead. But Joseph actually has a little bit of fun with them, and he actually kind of uh, messes with them a little bit and, and has, you know, read it. It's all, it's all really good. But chapter 50, when it all comes out, it says this in verse 18. It says, his brothers then came, and when they found out who he was, they threw uh, themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me so many years ago, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he assured them and spoke kindly to them. Now, first of all, if I had been hurt so badly by, by people that were so close to me, that wouldn't be my natural response would it for most of us you know no man you know a lot of times when we hurt man we get angry and we get bitter and we we hold on and we want revenge and 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 so Joseph was a good man in his time of pain apparently it taught him some things about God and he also tells his brothers that God uh, took a circumstance that made no sense for Joseph the wrong, evil, evil and sinful uh, situation, and he flipped it and used it. He transformed something bad into something good. He transformed something that was so painful into a blessing for hundreds and thousands of other people. And as we see this over and over and over where God can use things that are bad. He can use our suffering he can use our stories, our past. He can use our mess-ups. He can use our pain. He can use it for something good. So back to the question at hand, what do we do with this pain? Why me? The wise Nancy Kerrigan once asked. No? No? Okay. Too soon? Okay. Mid-90s? Early 90s? When is that? So what, do we, what did I do to deserve all this? And we see that pain, uh, pain is ultimately, it's always a result of sin. Like my sin, your sin, the sin of people around us, the sin, whether directly or indirectly, all pain that we experience uh, is, is a result from things being off course from God's will and from God's purpose and God's way. All pain is a result of that. But many things can lead to pain. And it doesn't mean that God is absent. And it doesn't mean that God is angry at you. And it doesn't mean that there's no God. Remember the earlier quote from C.S. Lewis of, of why he rejected God for so long, uh, the idea of God, because of evil and pain. But C.S. Lewis actually became a Christian. And part of his sto story was because he, as he continued thinking, he realized that suffering provided a better argument for God's existence than an argument against it. Now, maybe people will come to this thought, but uh, the theory of life without God required a system of natural evolutionary uh, mechanisms. And so the heart of the system, system is survival of the what? The fittest, survival of the fittest, kill or be killed. And, and so something must suffer so that something else can thrive. And so the whole worldview is one of pain and one of suffering. And, and, and something must suffer so something else can thrive. There's no place for compassion, love, 
or grace in a, in a system without God. And if that's true, we're left with a world where as long as you can be the most powerful, your way is the new true way until some, someone else can take you out. And so we see C.S. Lewis come and be one of the greatest apologists, you know, writing in favor for the existence of God of, of the last century. And so the story of Joseph, the message of the Bible, shows, that, uh, shows us another way, that even in our pain, there can still be hope because there's something bigger than the pain. So real quick, I want to uh, talk about three quick ways, kind of applications that... Um, that we can get through the pain that we can see. The first one is this, that God can use your pain. And I want you to know that today, that if, the, if you have something in your past or something in your present or there's something happens to you tomorrow, that you know whatever it is, the struggle, the suffering, this trial, uh, this hard time, uh, a pain, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, that God can use your pain just as God used Joseph. Can you imagine what, what we have done in that situation, you know? Man, but, but Joseph continually, re regardless of mistreatment, he continued focusing on God. And so you have stuff in your, in your life that if you let it, I promise you, if you let it, God will use it for his glory. It doesn't mean that God caused your pain, but it means that God will use it. And for those of you that have gone through more pain than the rest of us, your pain is, your pain is real. Your pain that we can't understand. But in a lot of ways, your pain is your training for God to use you in ways that he can't use the rest of us. Because through your pain and through your trial, you've been through a school that no one else has been through to uniquely serve in the kingdom for God's glory. Now, isn't that an interesting perspective? That, that, that God can use your pain no matter what it is. God will use it if you let him. The second thing I want to encourage you with is that, is that we see in the storyline of the Bible that Jesus himself enters our pain. That Jesus enters our pain. Now, uh, you see a story in, the, in John chapter 11 where John had a, a, a family that he was really close to. Mary, Martha, and, Martha, and Lazarus were these three siblings and and, and they sent, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, hey, Lazarus is really sick, come. You know, they knew that Jesus had the power to do something about it. And, and, and so Jesus hangs out, you know, for a few extra days, Lazarus dies. One of Jesus' best friends dies. And, and so Mary and Martha are, are distraught. And Jesus eventually comes to town and they run out to meet him, say, Jesus, Why? Like, why did you wait so long? If you would have been here, you can see them waving their finger through the tears and through the pain at Jesus. If you would have been here, our brother Lazarus, whom you love, would still be alive. And then the other sister came and did the same thing. And Jesus saw all the commotion. He saw all the pain. And we have one of the most intriguing verses in the whole Bible. John eleven thirty five 35 says, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in our English Bible. But through the pain, we can see that, or, or through our pain, we can see that Jesus enters our pain. He feels, he felt emotions. He, he had connections, and he had physical pain, and, and, and he had relational pain. And when he saw those around him hurting, we see that Jesus himself hurt too. He was, he was overwhelmed. 
He enters our pain. Ultimately, he, he went to a cross on our behalf. And so Jesus took on pain and suffering that we could be made right with God. And so we may not ever have all of our answer, questions answered on this side of things, but man, we can find man, comfort in knowing that Jesus, man, he enters it with us. Something good about knowing you're not alone, right? You're not alone. Which leads to the third point. Is this that God wants to walk with you through your pain. That God wants to walk with you through your pain. Uh, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He, is, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That when we are hurting and when we are broken, when we are in that moment of pain or a season of pain, that we know that God is close to us, not because uh, he was ever really far from us, but it's in our pain that sometimes we're waking up to see our need for him more and more clearly. And when we see our need for him more, we realize, I mean, he is right there. He's never been far away. He's close to the brokenhearted. Man, he, his heart aches for our pain. And so if you're going through a season of pain, I want to challenge you, man, let, walk, let God walk with you in your pain, that you're not alone. And God has surrounded you with his people, the church, that you don't have to hurt by yourself. Walk with God through your pain. I saw this on Facebook, uh, the Global Leadership Conference was... Um, Last week, and a friend of mine was uh, quoted this from there, and I thought this was perfect. Erwin McManus, he says, God didn't uh, come to give us a way out of our pain, but to give us a way through it. That's good, right? God didn't come to, to make life perfect for us. No, he came to make it, uh, give us a way through it. He doesn't meet us in our fear, but our faithfulness. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. What I read earlier, right? Remember the dang it Jesus part. But that's not the rest of the verse. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, he says. For I have overcome the world. So God wants to walk with you through your pain. The question is this will you walk with God through your pain? That no matter what happens, and we'll keep our eyes fixed on him. What do we do with it? What do we do with all of our pain? Man, God, I need you. God, I need you. And we may not have all of our questions answered, but man, we can know that we will not be alone. As, so as we kind of wrap up today, Batman became a hero because he fought through his pain and used it for good. Joseph, uh, you know, Joseph fought through the pain and he ultimately uh, fixated on God and he realized that God was working through all of his mess, through all of Joseph's mess. And God will do the same with you. He'll use you to impact this world around him if we will let him. You're not alone. Let's walk with God.